Whoa, Jim Joyce. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, man. There's no big, I was waiting for the big Jim Joyce. No, it, this, I think this is new in Zoom. It just said this meeting is being recorded. Yeah, it's clear. a little kind of consenting us, double consent. Huh. Well, there you go. Double consenting in. So, Jim Joyce. <laughs> I, hey, Wednesday. We did it, man. We did it. We did it. Another <laughs> week, another, I don't know, another hump day. Wednesday, totally, Wednesday. Totally. Love Wednesdays. Um, we we. Oh right. You, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this bottle as well. Not today though. Uh, <laughs> you don't finish the whole bottle today. We got, we got a little tipsy last week. I did. I did. It was kind of kind of kind of nice on a Wednesday. But yeah. um, I'm. You know. I know you just came back from US. I'm actually heading out Friday. Um, awesome. And I'm landing at JFK at 7:30 p.m. next morning. I think 10 or 10:30. I have an appointment for Pfizer vaccine. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. Really, pick anyone within the location, go anywhere. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They're killing it. They're killing it. Or they're doing a Um, great job. What else? Oh, um, our friends at Akili. I don't know if you saw that. And again, I'm going to leave a lot of that to Matthew and Jess to dissect. But congrats. I know they've been added another 160 million added to to the bank to commercialize Endeavor RX and other things. So congrats to Eddie and team. Off the hook, off the hook. Off the hook. Um, Money keeps flowing. Money keeps flowing. Keeps flowing. So, Speaking of money, um, I don't know actually why I said that, but <laughs> 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 or, or somebody who uh, I guess exited out of uh, you know pr- Propeller Health. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's let Chris Hagen. I'm looking forward to this. And by the way, I'm totally ready for you know. New York, Saturday, New Jersey, New York so City, Saturdays, right. New York City. There you go. I actually just realized that I'm wearing this. So, Mr. Hogg, hey. how are you, Eugene? How are you? Hi, James. Good. Did you nice guys to meet ever you. Admit? Don't believe so. I don't think so. I, I definitely heard. I've heard you speak, and I've, I've followed you on your your big Twitter streams. You, did you do the you did you did the um, the dissection of a few kind of key. Oh yeah, like one of the S ones I was getting to. Yeah, I spend a little bit too much time on Twitter, probably. <laughs> Good stuff. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're taking a break. That you. I just realized. I actually looked on your LinkedIn. Um, it says like taking a break or something, right? Digital health. Uh, yeah. Enthusi- enthusiast, evangelist. What did you call yourself? Something. I'm not really sure. I'm a <laughs> okay. true believer, I guess. Punishment. Have been. Um, uh, yeah. So we, you know, after. Um, we, you know, after the acquisition of ResMed, I stuck around there for a while and did some transition and then just sort of realized how burnt I was, honestly. And things, you know, they're obviously in very good hands. They're a big commercial organization. And so I wound down over over a period of time. And then, yeah, I was, I was going to think about starting something. I'm not really good at not working. So I was quite afraid of this. And so I, I said, you know, I'll do the summer. Uh, and that was, you know, last summer. And then, you know, we're in pandemic. My kids are going back to school remote. I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. I'm like, this is insane. And right. so I did some consulting and advising and just spent too much time on Twitter. It's been, it's been quite nice. But I appreciate you taking the time, keeping busy here since you're off officially, right? <laughs> taking a break. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. This is the break. <laughs> for, for the, mil- as I always say, for the millions of listeners that we have, uh, maybe give like your... I don't know, a minute of your background and then we'll sort of jump in. I have a gazillion questions, even though we go way back. 
All yeah, right, Jim. Yeah, awesome. We're going to fight, um, Jim. We're going to fight for the question time. <laughs> love, love it. Uh, so, you know, I, I did some stuff before, like biology and investment banking and pharma. And then for the last 10 years, I've been in digital health pretty much uh, all full time. So I started a little company back in 2011 called 100 Plus that was like an early behavior change and engagement app. Um, that was a you know, very I steep think learning curve. I think that's when we crossed paths under this quantified Definitely. self with Martin DeBrauber and many others. Yeah, 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 yeah. Martin, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and that was great. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing, but that was my first foray into tech. And you know, the big problem there is, you know, as we I learned over many years, is it's really good to know like who wants to buy your thing and why and for how much. And that then back then is you know we're going to build this stuff and people are going to come and it's going to be great. And that didn't really work out. And then, so uh, we, I rolled that into Practice Fusion and I was there for a little bit and started a data group there, which was super fun. I mean, it was just a mountain of data uh, that we got to play around with and try to figure things out with. And then most recently, you know, I had the great opportunity to join Propeller uh, about seven years ago now. I had known David Van Sickle, the co-founder uh, yep. for a while. Um, we'd been friends and I uh, got to meet that team and they're based in Madison. So I was able to start a San Francisco office and okay. do kind of the things that I was COO at that time. And it was kind of the things that were good in the Bay Area. So I started a product group and a design group. Um, we spun up, you know, more of an acquisition consumer marketing group, uh, data, data science, and it was great. I got to you know, move around and ended up there as chief commercial officer the last couple of years. So it was just out, you know, pitching a lot, pharma. We did, uh, we sold to pharma, we sold to payers, IDNs, PBMs, man, you name it, you know, we kind of ran, so, ran the game. So it's the commercial role that burnt you out, not the operating role. <laughs> you know, no, I think I wasn't burned out. You know, I love this stuff. It was just, you know, I look back and it was, you know, that's, it was a 10, 10 year grind, really. You know, By the way, been, I can hear you guys. I'm not walking out on you, but my younger daughter locked herself out of the balcony. So I can hear you. This is the first time. This is the first ever. You know, yeah, absolutely. It, you know, just, you know, it was a 10 year grind. It was funny, you know, we, I left my nice pharma job and I was going to start this company back in 2011 and then everything was going to happen so fast, you know, we're going to tech transform healthcare and, you know, and, you know, 10 years later, it was like, wow, that was, that was like a, a long slog, you know, uh, and, where, but where it was just in, great. Well, Chris, where, where were you in pharma? What was your... Oh, so I did, uh, so I worked for a little company called CB Therapeutics and then we got bought by Gilead and so I was at Gilead okay. and so I did uh, like new product planning and commercial strategy. So okay. I got to oversee uh, like the cardiovascular and respiratory stuff that we were doing, which was great because I got to focus on the future. So I did a lot of, you know, market research and analysis and kind of try to figure out what docs are doing and why it was, it was a great, great job. Yeah. And, and so you left that, to, you jumped out to start a hundred plus from that job. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Pharma <laughs> farm guide, a tech entrepreneur. It was a rough, rough transition. <laughs> what, what was the, like the impetus, right? Like what, what triggered, I mean, I, again, right. I mean, I think that quantified self movement was just sort of birthing. Right. Um, yeah. But like, was there uh, 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 like a hypothesis that you had like shit, you know, if we can get people to change their behavior, like based on this data, what was it? Yeah, I mean, that was it. So I was really involved in the quantified self group back then. That was one of the best things that's happened to me. You know, Gary, Gary Wolf's still a good friend of yeah. mine. And, uh, you know, just I got really lucky to get introduced to that group really early. Like I wasn't at the first meeting or two, but still when it was like very small in San Francisco. And so you had, you know, just this group of super intense and really interesting people that were very, very passionate about this 
you know, concept that we could measure ourselves and change behavior from it and do all sorts of cool things. And, and then that, that kind of expanded and you start to think about, you know, obvious stuff, but like, wow, we're going to, you know, back then it was sort of novel. This is, you know, 2009, 10 or something, but ooh, we're going to have all this data from people and it's going to overlay with EMR data, which is really punctuated. And that's going to give us a much more robust picture of people. And we should be able to do really cool things with that. Um, and that was sort of the general hypothesis. And then I had this other angle, which was, you know, consumer tech at that time, you know, everything was being techified and there was a lot of good knowledge around engagement and how to enroll people and how to iterate. And so I had combined those two things and was like, we're going to do high design. It's going to be really engaging. We're going to help people do small things in their health, in their life and not focus on like these big things and just overall try to make people healthier. It was very much, you know, health prevention. And we ended up doing like corporate wellness stuff. I I just remember for some reason, uh, as you were talking about quantified self, Gary Wolf, I remember one of the early, maybe it was 2012, um, the quantified self meetup in Amsterdam. Uh, I was just, I think, moving there or just moved there. And what struck me at that meetup, I remember there was a guy that presented like a piece of artwork that was his color of his remember that color of his yeah. pee uh, day by day. And I forget like either 30 days or 60 days or even more correlating right. to what, you know, time of the day was. And I was just like fascinated. That's all I remember from that meeting. Right. It was super fast. There was another woman, I can't remember her name, but she was making art out of like tracker data and visualizing. And it was just amazing. So it was a really creative group of people and it was just, you know, idea, idea. And then at the same time, right, there was the early health 2.0 movement, Matt Holt, and Indu were doing. And then there was these conferences and then there were unconferences around that and meetups. So San Francisco, yes. the Barry at that time was just hopping. And so while I was in pharma, I was, you know, I didn't have kids yet. And so I was out doing, I was at meetups probably twice a week, you know, at that yeah, time, just it? like networking. Yeah, I was doing tech meetups. Okay. I was doing like you know, QS, you know, Health 2.0. It, it, it was a lot, but it was so interesting. And, and so 100 plus, what was the, the basic concept for 100 plus? Yeah, that we were going to help people engage with small, healthy things in their daily life. So we were trying to build like habits around small things, like walking a little further every day, you know, park okay. farther away, take, you know, right. walk, get off the bus earlier, drink water. And we would recommend these things we called hops, health opportunities to people uh, okay. and, and, and when they would do them. And then the, the game mechanic was a longevity calculator. So we were dynamically creating a life score. That's why it was hundred plus. The goal was to increase. Yeah. And it was trying to like, you know, people, it's really hard for people to do small things today that have like a long-term impact. So we were trying to close the loop on that. Awesome. And where'd you go? So you, you... you were, sorry, you were bef the same, like BJ Fogg was doing quite a lot. And was he doing oh, the yeah. tiny habits then also? I'm trying to remember the yeah. timeline. Yeah, it was, right? Yeah, like, I can't remember big... when, when he got real popular, but yeah, for sure. Like everybody was talking about BJ Fogg and, 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 and QS and the Help 2.0 group then. And so we were definitely, you know, in thinking about that model, there was a lot going on about, you know, behavior hooks for health. Uh, and we just figured, you know, if we could change behavior, that's, the, that's like such a core to everything. And then, you know, a lot of things were going to happen from that. And what do you, Sorry, Jim, you were asking something? No, I'm fascinated, but I'll let you, it, it, the, the um, what do you still love about hundred plus? Like if you were to think about that, is there still aspects of the idea concept that you love? It, 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 it lived on in practice fusion. It did for a little bit, a lot of what we were doing. So we had been using a bunch of government data and practice fusion data to model this life score. So okay. the innards definitely became, you know, because some of the, the way we were structuring data and things um, that persisted. But now the front end really, really didn't. You know, there's always hopes that, you know, you, you think it's going to all just get used. But it's 
much trickier, you know, in, in practice. But there's definitely things about that that I love. Like, I think the ethos of it was correct. You know, we were very like individual focused, really trying to figure out like what individuals needed and how to engage them. We spent a lot of time on design and the way it looked and felt. And I still, you know, very strongly in like high design. The problem is it was like, it was like, it should have been in a trophy case or a little case. Like it was like a art object or something, but it wasn't like, we didn't launch quick. We didn't iterate, you know, we just thought about it too much. Uh, so I have m many more learnings about things we, we did incorrectly, but there were definitely some like fundamental things that I think were, were, were great. You know, I think we did well at the branding and the messaging and kind of how we talked about it. And that was really yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. I would build off of this. So you've had two, you, so you had, you went from, so Gilead, then you do, uh, uh, you know, 100, 100 plus, plus, and then you're in practice diffusion, and then you've had this like propeller, and we'll go into this propeller resume, but like this whole kind of integrating between corporate and entrepreneurism, like, yeah, where's your head at right now? Because this is Eugene's thing. Oh, I <laughs> always I recovering from something, right? But always, always yeah, recovering yeah. from something. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not a recovering entrepreneur yet. That's that's sure. I, I am definitely more of a small company person. I, uh, I'm, I am enamored with like the blank piece of paper. I, I like when that spot, when sort of everything is possible, you know, and we can just, you know, really try to envision stuff as things get bigger and more structured. You know, what I did learn at Propeller was like, that became a really fun process too. It's, you know, there's a lot of cliches written, but definitely I've, I've had that evolution where my brain's gone from like, ooh, the focus on the product to the team, you know, how does the team work? That built, and then it's like the company. Like, how do we build the machine that makes the machine? And, and so now I'm like super fascinated and stuff and things like that. And so I, yeah, I'm definitely definitely on the entrepreneur side. I'm definitely you know thinking about doing another company. Um, sort of a disease, you know, get infected. And uh, but it's just so much fun that that beginning stages, you know, when I don't know, it's just open. You know, there's so much possibility. It's actually interesting to me, right? Because you spend time as. Uh chief operating officer right so it's like to me not that you you can do both right but it's like you know operating and standardizing right uh versus the blank piece of paper right um yeah i, I just I, I just find well, that i think pretty i think interesting. coo is coo is kind of a funny title right so i would say that i'm not really an ops person <laughs> um but i you know i it, it was like a big enough panel and i got to run product and some other things but we had an ops person on the senior who's like you know great at that and so I, I always need that counterpart for for sure I like to be up here and then I love to partner with the people who just like love to keep the trains running on time mm -hmm. and and what was your um uh, again I, I actually don't truly know the story of propeller and you coming into propeller like uh, could could you yeah. join a little bit late I mean probably one of the yeah, first yeah. employees but I yeah no, I was probably, I think I forget, I was in like the 20s or maybe 30. And so the company oh, okay. had actually been around for about four years. So I had known, so David Van Sickle is a, it was the co-founder and the CEO. Yep. And so he's a respiratory epidemiologist by training. And, uh, and so he, like, it was total like passion, like tired and frustrated with the data on where asthma and respiratory disease was happening in the community. And so started tinkering and building sensors in a, in a lab as a postdoc and slapping them on people's inhalers to try to track like what was happening. And that obviously turned out to be a valuable signal. And they, they spun it into a company around 2010 in Madison. 
And, but I had met David right around then because there weren't a lot of companies uh, starting. And so you kind of knew back then, you know, it was Asmapolis. And I'd met him at this like super geeky, awesome conference called Health Data Palooza that you might've oh, gone yeah. to in DC, yeah. which was great. Perfect. And we had just stayed in touch. And so when I was thinking about, you know, joining, they were probably about 30 people. Uh, and I came in and only in Madison, there's a couple of people in San Francisco, but we didn't have an office. And so then the opportunity arose, you know, they had been thinking about expanding and they were thinking about, you know, holes that they had, you know, maybe around product and design and marketing and brand and that sort of stuff that I was sort of real passionate about then. Okay. Before we go anywhere, tell, tell me about Madison, Wisconsin, what's going on there. So I love Madison. So I had never been there, um, but obviously got to spend a lot of time there. That It is an incredible city. You know, it's a college town. There's a big university there. It's in between these two lakes. So it's visually like beautiful with a capital right in the middle of it. Um, okay. Just like a really good vibe, good, you know, restaurants and, oh, it was fun. You know, winter, super duper cold. Um, you know, it gets really, really cold. I had lived a little bit in Chicago, so I was o a little bit okay, but. But right. yeah, it's California folks, man. They would, you know, when we had to go there during the winter, it was really cold. Whenever I've met it's the a guys, beautiful city. I, I've met some of you, you know, the other uh, founders, and I've met, you know, the resume guy as well. And um, they always talked about Madison, uh, Wisconsin, and I, I was always like fascinated. They they were totally committed to building the company there, weren't they? Oh yeah, and it was great. You know, honestly, one of the one of the things that drew me to Propeller was the fact that it was out there and not in Silicon Valley. It felt different. At right. that time, you know, mid, you know, 24, there was, you know, it's kind of like now, but there was a lot of like tech stuff happening here and tech culture and, you know, some of the, what we call now like bro culture and, and things like that out here. And it just felt different. And so right. I, I, I definitely liked that, you know, it was slightly older crew, you know, we had been around a little bit, it, you know, everyone had families, it was more methodical, there was you know, I think a little bit more discipline maybe around like decision-making. So we weren't like scrambling all the time. We were definitely scrambling, but not maybe all the time. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was great out there. Uh, because there's just so much to unpack on what's happening now. And again, you know, back right. to Jim's comment, like you're, you're very vocal and um, thorough you know, not just with the S1 analysis, but uh, et cetera. But I want to actually dive a little bit deeper on Propeller, right? Because it was a journey. And, you know, for the entrepreneurs that are watching, uh, like what were some of the big gotchas that you guys stumbled there, right? So we're talking about 100 plus a little bit, but mm -hmm. like Propeller, again, making, you know, what the hell was a GTX at the time or et cetera. Yeah. Just any, any kind of at least high level. Oh man, there were so many. I mean, um, yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge is, is timing, right? And so when you're really early at stuff, there's just so many boulders to push up the hill. And, and uh, you know, because you're trying to change, you know, different people's behavior, you're trying to, you, you know, physicians to do something different, use data differently, and, and, then, and then how to get paid. I think the one main thing, the piece of advice that I give is that we all, back then, we all started in the right place, you know, we, well, we started in the wrong place. It was, we have all this technology. This is like back in the 2010 and what can we do with the technology, right? Then I think we got smart and everyone's like, okay, no, it's about solving problems. Like let's focus on the patient. We're gonna solve patient problems. And that was good. 
I think the later is, man, the capture, we, we, I think digital health creates a lot of value and I think Propeller did. And I think we didn't capture as much as, you know, digital health has created. And so the advice I give now is like really focus on the value capture. So what is the go-to-market motion? How are people, you know, how are patients coming in? How are you getting paid? Is it structured? Is it a new contract? Is it new? What are the incentives? You know, really kind of basic stuff actually, you know, we talk about, but I think there's a lot of focus on that now. And I almost, you know, start there and then work backwards. You know, what's the problem we want to solve? How is this like mo market motion, go to market motion going to work? And then how do we like build into it? Because I think that's where most have failed. And so we did that and we were just contracting, you know, we would just go in and pitch because there's not like reimbursement codes. There's not like yep. a normal motion yet. There's not even labels, right? So I remember back in the day, like getting together with groups and we would talk like, what do we call this? What do we call these things? Like, what is the definition of a digital therapeutic now that that name is starting to get some yep. traction? And, and so that was like really helpful and good. I think when you're new, you have to band together um, and, and do it. But I think, you know, I think a bunch of things we did well is uh, we, were, we were nimble. I think we optimized for like learning. We didn't believe our beliefs too much, if that makes any sense. Like there, there weren't hills <laughs> yep. that we were gonna like die on, you know? Um, one of the things that we can talk about, like I worry about like the prescription digital therapeutic track. Like it seems so narrow and focused to me that if that one rail doesn't work out, like like what? Like I think one of the things we did well was like, I don't know, yeah, we, you want, we wanna be our remote patient monitoring? Sure. You know, we're digital therapeutic, yeah, we're in that one too. Yep. And then we can sell to these guys, we can sell this way. Right. And, and that flexibility, I think, helped us uh, kind of craft contracts or, or ways that were amenable to, to our partners and things like that. I, I used to say when I was teaching people how to sell, not that I know how to do anything about doing that, but I would say if that, that you know, what you do is you figure out, like I was always selling, you know, my company, we have a, dev I had a device company as well. Um, but, you know, figure out, you know, I was selling into pharma. So figure out what pharma was paying for and make yourself look like that. <laughs> that was, kind of, that was yeah. like, so it was kind of pretty simple. Just look yeah. like what they're paying for. <laughs> that, that, that's like another great learning. Like if there is, there's like absolute cultural things. Like you have to look and sound like they do, or it's very scary, especially pharma. You know, we did a lot with pharma. And I think one of the reasons we were successful there, one is, you know, the product is very tightly bound to medicines so there's a logic obvious logic to it but the other is i i had very luckily you know brought in an old friend that i'd worked with at gilead who had been doing corp dev at gilead to help run or to run our pharma biz and between the two of us you know we had worked in pharma and and we got this feedback a lot like we were able to make these big companies comfortable that we could get them through mlr you know med legal right regulatory up. we right. knew kind of how it worked we knew where the third rails were we didn't say words that make people you know scare words and and i, I think that just like it helped a lot and so and then you know in, in the payer side too like bringing in people that really knew that i think that's like super duper important and advice that i give to people like hey we're going to go you know sell to farm i'm like great you have to hire somebody or have like a great advisor I mean, comes out of pharma familiarity right and uh is key to the behavior like if something is familiar then it's already friendly it's funny uh just uh, uh not not to bore our listeners but i had to pick up with shane my younger one um this the residency card and we didn't have an appointment but because we're flying friday and so we're we have to go to the national police station and there's a line and of course like you know like oh remember you to the police guy I said, oh, you remember I was here last week, right? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, right? And like, I showed the appointment from the other week 
no problem. Go in. And, and my daughter asked, like, why did you say, you know, that you remember me? Because they probably won't. Familiarity. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just, and we did, you know, we were able to look and, and feel, you know, we tried as hard as we could to feel like our partners. And then, yeah, it ends up like co-development, you know, nobody knows what it is. And so co-development's got a bad word, but definitely there's like give and take, like, all right, you know, this is what we have and what we want to do. And then we have to kind of mold it. Uh, to do that. But that was, you know, very fun. We had great partners, you know, you end up in successful deals. Like now I, I, I guess I have enough that I can look back, like every single deal I can look back that was successful. There's like a key champion or two that you look at and you're like, man, that person was either going to get promoted or fired based on this deal that it was incredible. Like right. what they, what they did to support I, I think it. none of us want to accept the fact that so many of our deals, uh, investment, you know, insights, even early team building hangs off of one person, the right time, making a decision or backing you like that, you know, all this like serendipitous activity that goes on, but it's like some champion just goes, geez, I believe in this guy, Chris, or who's coming. And then, and then the, like the when, knife, then, sorry, the knife cuts both ways. Cause then we've had team turnover and, and then you're, it's, it's bad, right? You have these yeah. strong champions, this team, and then there's a like one of them, you know, they got promoted. They went to go run a country and you're like, oh, man, like good for them. But oh, man. Yeah, I think, you know, Eugene's always Eugene does another podcast, uh, you know, and he's he, you're always very politically correct about this, Eugene. But, but with, the, with the pharma, with, with, with the pharma team, like I consider him like NFL. Am, am I am I politically correct? No, I'm teasing really? you. I was trying to. I, I was trying to trigger. You. I was trying to trigger you. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't pick up the joke today. But uh, <laughs> I was triggering you. I was triggering you. But the um, is they're like NFL football players. They get a three and a half year lifespan. You know, max in their role if they even make the team. And so you got to be thinking about them that way. You're going as the outside vendor. You're going to be there much longer than the, than the person you're talking to is going in that position. And yeah, so yeah. like start, startups. Longer startups that like still to this day reach out and and say well you know we're working or how do we work with company x and i'm like you don't work with company x you work with a person your champion or not a champion at company x and tomorrow they're going to be at company y right and so it's still at the end of the day relationship building trust building and the logo will change from one to the other i it's you guys are triggered man yeah I get yeah, yeah. Chris, I would love to hear your feeling and start using cut me off. But I'd love to like what so one of the things about propeller and, and I'm not interested in digging into anything you can't say, you know, about the organization, but you know, when it hits scale, you know, when it started to scale a bit, you know, was there any kind of epiphanies or moment or like, oh shit, this is actually working kind of moments? And then and then, and then when, you know, with the big, you know, acquisition, you know, that was obviously one of the most, you know, we had my sugar on last week, like the propeller acquisition was obviously a seminal event. What did it feel like to be there? Uh, so I uh, did it. I don't know that there was ever, there were definitely moments. I can't say that there were ever like times when we sort of sat back and you're like, oh, this is getting, this is getting easy. Um, it was never easy. And I, I think that that's uh, like an important lesson. I don't, I think all the companies you look at from the outside, you know, who are like growing like mad, hymns, Roman, oh man, it must be easy. I'm like, I don't know. I think the bigger it gets, just the harder it gets. So I would say that- Bigger we, money, bigger problems. It's abso absolutely, <laughs> right? And so I think it was always, you know, a challenge to do it, but definitely there were times when we started to see things click in 
And we're like, oh, that that feels different. Like we, one example, like we had to, we had been all B2B to C, you know, we were helping pioneer this B2B to C route through different vendors. And we had done one program. It was a grant funded program in Louisville, Kentucky. That was still one of the best things I've probably worked on called Air Louisville. And it was a grant funded program by Robert Wood, by Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And so we were supposed to go down there and get lists from everybody, you know, Humana, Passport, Norton, everyone down there. And, and I remember these meetings, we went down there and they're like, great, you know, we'll look at it as like a referral, like how much are you guys gonna pay us for a referral? And we're like, no, 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 this is a disease management program. You guys are paying us. And they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so out of necessity, you know, we went back and started figuring out how to do Facebook advertising and acquisition online. And literally me and a product manager are so Bush League, like, but we're like looking, watching tutorials and reading things online and just spinning things up and it was great. And, and that was one where all of a sudden that started to work, right? And we're, and oh man, we're gonna make this program successful. Like we, we can totally do this. I remember the day, I remember the first patient who got all the way through from a Facebook ad to a syncing user with no human intervention. We're like, oh, and we probably paid like $3,000 for that patient, but, but you know, and then, and then it starts going down and down and you're like, actually, this is like reasonable. And funny enough, like we started acquiring people, doing press, all of them came back and ended up as partners. You know, and there's like moments yep. like that where you're like, man, that was yeah. like, we, we snatched victory out of, out, of, out of defeat there. And then that became a great tool for us that we leverage excessively, especially with pharma, that our ability to acquire people. And so you have these like moments or, or, you know, finally seeing, you know, clinics start to come on and like doctors, you know, one of our early, early users was a, was a doc named, named Dr. Merchant at, at Dignity. You know, he did one of our first studies and watching this, you know, going up to see his practice and watching a doc actually transform how they care because they're using your data so much, mm -hmm. you know, changing how they schedule visits because I don't need to see everybody. I'm just going to fill in my schedule with these people. I mean, it, you're like, okay. Awesome. So you have these like signs of life, even if they're not scaling, you're like unit positive. I know this can work. You know, and those were like the key moments. It was less about like, ooh, we can just go out and it like scales. It was like these these units that you get to work and you're like, okay, it's possible. Now, you know, because a lot of what we work in is like impossible or possible, not like possible or scale, right? And so you're looking for like possible. And th those are the moments that I really remember the most as like, oh yeah, because it, we used to say it like, we celebrate like wins do not come easily. And so when we got a big deal and we enrolled thousands of people in a couple of months for a pharma company, cause we had been practicing and doing it, you know, like sell it, that, that was like, okay. But th that was a hard fought, you know? And so Have you guys you ever seen it. that, that startup cartoon that basically says, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty much. You know, and you have to, that you, that's the grind though. You have to just be in for, for that ride and then celebrate those things. And one of the things we used to say at Propeller, which is so, so true, like nothing came easy to us, I think. And so every win was like awesome. You know, like every, every thing that we did, you know, you're like, wow, we like earned that one. And so then you asked about ResMed. I mean, that was an excellent experience. You know, we, we met them. Um, it made a lot of sense. You know, ResMed is uh, obviously very big in sleep apnea. Uh, years ago, they had to start, uh, payers wanted proof that um, that pay people were using CPAP. So they ended up with cell, putting cell chips in all of their CPAP. So they ended up with like a huge connected device fleet mm -hmm. out there and all the data coming in. And they also had a COPD business focused on like 
portable oxygen and ventilators. And so when they were thinking about expanding respiratory, it was clear to them like they had seen it, you know, it has to be connected, obviously, you know, that's our future. And so that's how we met and it was through partnership because we were kind of doing COPD, maybe a little less severe patients and they had more severe and it just fit. We, all the conversations were good. Um, the vibe was really good. Everything, you know, in a deal, things can go awry. Everything they said was true and like came, came to fruition, you know, it was, it was just great. And then, and then the deal went down and we were just so like happy. We felt like it was a really good home for the company. We felt like they could do a lot with it. Uh, the people still feel good. And then, like you said, back then it was, there weren't a lot of wins. And so we just felt like we felt great about it. You know, that we had kind of brought it there and, and didn't run it into the ground, frankly. You know, we were able to make, make something that make something that people found valuable. Our investors made some money. You know, it was it was great. How, how long did you stick around, by the way, after the sale? About, about a year and a half. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. About a year and a half. And then I, it was kind of interesting. I had uh, decided to, to, to leave. I wound down over, you know, a number of months, but that was pre-COVID. And then, you know, so just sort of like watch the country descend into, into pandemic. Uh, was a super interesting, interesting experience. Yeah. So I'm like wondering what I'm going to do. ResMed's amazing. Like you said, like um, I remember finding out, you know, we know the guys, they have a base in Dublin here and, and they um, have the highest number of connected, you know, like if you look at them as a digital health, you know, because they're the biggest, I think they're the biggest and, and, but, but, you know, and obviously they're, they've done phenomenally well, their stock prices performed excellently. Another buddy of ours, Connor Hanley sold Connor, his yeah, Connor Hanley, yeah, that's right, well. that's right. Uh, from Bianca Med, you know, going back, so we know them, know them well. But they're huge. They're kind of under the hood, you know, kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, they're public. They get and it public. though. They Good definitely job. get it for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, and and part of it's through this experience. You know, they they had to solve it, and then did, and it was sort of you know the epiphany that that's going to be the way things are, which is obvious to us. Hmm. So let let's get to now, man. Um, I I don't know. Uh, I guess Legoizing healthcare. Yeah. Like I, I think I saw you use that term or I don't know, but I, I, I love that concept. So maybe just to like our millions of listeners, your thoughts on it, putting together, yeah. because even I think some of the ideas, I know we talked, you know, separately, some of your ideas are like, well, you can stitch some stuff together into a health service in like three months. And I'm exaggerating, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I say that to like product people and their eyes bug out. I'm like, all right, well, yeah. maybe not three months. Um, <laughs> no, so I think, I mean, right now is for sure is uh, the most interesting time uh, other than maybe, you know, when I was first jumping in in 2010, like the euphoria and optimism back then was something I had never experienced in my life or career for sure. And it's getting to that level again uh, now. And, and I think there's a, a bunch of things going on. One is this uh, ecosystem. Right. So all of a sudden there are like legit tools out there and legit services that didn't really exist before. And so when you start thinking about even testing something, you know, when you start looking at it and you're like, man, that's like an 18 month build and we have to do all of the stuff. It's like a really good example. We are, uh, you know, Propeller was a sensor that went on medicines. Clearly the whole time I was there, we were talking about how do we get it with the medicine. Can we co-package it? Can we do something? We talked about going to FDA and getting a new NDC for a co-package version. We talked to pharmacies about maybe doing it. We ended up, you know, we just launched or announced, um, you know, we did it with Novartis in Europe where they launched a new medicine with a co-package sensor in it as an offering. But that took, you know, years, right? Right. And so, but now, you know, now you would look at it and you're like, wow, true pill. 
Yeah. Pillpack is doing, you know, like, wow, like I can go talk to these people and, and do this. Uh, and then, you know, there's, so there's, and then there's, you know, wheel. It's like, if I want to spin something up really, really quickly, you know, I can get docs going on a cash pay or, you know, there's all sorts of so good stuff. And, you know, you coach, right. There's all sorts of these, like, <laughs> you, these you, you, keep, you keep sending us the, the wheel.com for health coaches. I, I know, man, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I still do. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's all these like infrastructure things. And I think you can start to then the magic then becomes in how you stitch together these pieces uh, into something that's like seamless and elegant. And then again, I think the differentiation comes obviously from the patient experience, the product and the physician experience, because now you have them uh, as your as your users also. Uh, but uh, but really it's like the, you know, the go-to-market, like who are you selecting? How are you doing it? How are you getting paid? I think that's where the innovation now and the um, and the, the in interesting kind of experiments are going to come in my, in my opinion. And how do you feel about all the capital flowing at it and how are you feeling about that? I love it. I mean, honestly, like, it, yeah, for sure, not everything will succeed, but, you know, the, the tide definitely lifts all boats and, uh, you know, consolidation is not a bad thing, right? So in the future, what it's going to do is there's all this money and there's going to be consolidation. So I think if you're, you know, a new company, that means there's acquirers and maybe places to land. And if you can get bigger, faster than you, you know, it's, I think with all this money coming in, it's sort of a race, right? Who's going to become the big fish and eat the little fish and who's going to be the little fish getting eaten by the big fish. And so obviously everyone's racing to become a big fish as quick as possible because feeding and, and everybody wants come. to be the front door to health or healthcare, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, well, I think that's smart, right? I think if you control growth, if you control your growth lever and you control acquisition right. and patient acquisition and have some trust, like it puts a lot, it gives you a lot of power um, and influence. And I think now, uh, you know, the other things, obviously the big changes, uh, for me, one of the most interesting things for me is like home measurement. You know, we can just do so much in the home now with home labs or devices that, you know, sort of silly if you think about how we manage chronic disease, you know, we make people truck all over town. It's like obvious statements. Yeah. We can do that. And then, and then COVID, you know, like it's just crazy timing. I feel like the luckiest dude on earth. I'm like, I finished up this arc, you know, and was sort of like, what am I going to do next? And I'm still in, into it yet. We made a long time. Before mentioning you, um, but uh, you actually, know, you mentioned it before, but we kind of like, we, I think we were sort of done with. Uh, no, but with I, the you know, I don't look but... at it as the end all be all, but for sure, no, it's transformative. You know, it's like the act. It's like a chemical reaction, right? It's a total real catalyst. You know, got people over the activation energy of doing it, and you know, in some of these policy changes. Uh, but I, I'm like the luckiest dude on earth, right? I'll, I'm like waiting, figuring out like what I want to do. I'm thinking a lot about virtual care before COVID. And then, you know, COVID happens and kicks everybody through the door. I'm like, wow, rather right. be lucky than good sometimes. Right, so right. I, I actually, I, I on one side, I, I, I love the comment, tide lifts all the boats, right? Um, on the other, I'm, I'm struggling with some of the valuations, oh, uh, yeah, honestly. They're crazy. I, and I just... Think about even uh, I don't know. I'll pick I'll pick at Noom, five hundred and forty million bucks. I mean, that's a lot of yeah. Google ads, and that's a you know. I I'm just trying to figure out what your thoughts are on these valuations. Honestly, I, I think value. I, I don't understand anything anymore, right? So like valuations of like everything, I don't understand. You know, whether it's home prices or you know anything. You know? So I think there's like something we you know there's something <laughs> weird in the world, right? But but I I don't know. I think um. Over time, it's kind of funny. One of the places I had to like relearn. So when I came out of pharma, 
you know, pharma's the, there's no iteration possible, right? So you think everything out for the next 20 years and like try to get every detail right. Then, then you have to like to do the opposite when you become an entrepreneur, right? And so I think I think about things sort of in this framework. That is a problem for the future and not for today. And today, what it means is that there's like a lot of money coming in, which means there's a lot of innovation. A lot of these are going to tool providers that maybe I can use, and that's awesome. Uh, and we will solve the valuation crunch problem in the future because I don't know how that's going to work out. And so I'm not even going to like worry about it today. I have to, you know, for me, like you got to get a company up and running before you can, you know, run it, you know, before something like that can, can influence it. The one I, negative I love that. though. Valuation, yeah, not the problem of today. Not today's problem. <laughs> and so, but the one big problem I do see is that, and this was the same as 2010 and 11, it's so easy to raise money now that you're going to run into a problem of concentration of talent. And so all the best people, like if you're great, you can go raise money, you can go raise a seed. And so instead of coming to work with me or with someone else on this other hard problem, you're going to have a bifurcation of awesome people. Because ideally, you know, you're starting, if you're starting a company, you want to hire a bunch of people who could probably start their own companies uh, if, if they wanted to, but want to collapse on a specific problem and really solve it. So I, that, that will be a problem. I, I feel like, like in your, you're in San Francisco right now, Chris, are you? Or yeah, East Bay, the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. East Bay. Because I, I feel like that perspective is a very, it's kind of a California or it could be a Boston uh, perspective around that talent. Because I, you know, I don't know from Barcelona and from the locations you've been in Amsterdam, Eugene, and I'm based here in Dublin, that that perspective of like, oh, you know, the capital is going to go to that location. It's, it, it's a very, it feels like, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, but it feels a very West Coast because there's so much competition for talent in those areas. But like in Madison, you know, you're going to work for Propeller, right? Because they're awesome guys and you know them and, you know, you know, it, it, it just like, I'm, I'm just wondering how this is going to, this is going to play out that, you know, will those innovations, you know, will that, is that capital just a, a fundamental, are they going to come out of San Fran, right? You know, yeah, yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good point. And, and probably, I'm definitely, you know, Bay Area focused, so probably have a little myopia there. But I've definitely talked to people, and it's not just even founders, you know, you're trying to pull out a crazy awesome head of product out of one company. And in a normal market, they might be in a company that's sort of sideways and like, and, and they would be mm -hmm. really interested in jumping onto something new. Or you're in a market where like, no, they're just about to go do a 20 million A because everyone's investing in this stuff. And the odds of you pulling that person out are very low then, or much lower. Yeah. I feel like a total, and that could be anywhere. I would watch people like, you know, when I was growing up, we had, what was the, the, you know, kind of depression babies we had growing up and, you know, update myself, you know, where, where they would cut the stamps off the envelopes, you know, to save the money, you know, from, you know, meaning they wouldn't. Sorry, Jim, you're dating yourself. I, I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> there's no, about, man. <laughs> there's no depression babies and there's no stamps anymore, but the, um, but right. What's the, the stamp? Uh, but just the people that grew up kind of having left Europe and came to America and they were so, they were so good at, you know, pinching pennies, you know, and there's no pennies anymore. It's Bitcoin too. But the, um, right. but they, they were so good at it. Like, I feel like as an entrepreneur, that's what I feel like is like, it's like, if you threw that much capital, like at me, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, yeah. I, I would still have all my cheap habits. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, just so calling the, the, these crazy numbers. I, I was talking to a VC earlier today, and um, I just kind of call it the, the Tiger Global Squeeze, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. They're just 
pouring money. And I just saw, I think we might have even talked about it last week. It's like they, they did a seed round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all over the place. It's not, I mean, it's definitely Tiger, but like, look at the size of all of these funds. You know, they're, when you have, you know, $2 billion under management, you know, like doing a bunch of $5 million seeds doesn't really get you very far. And so they need, I mean, it's definitely the, the VC paradox. Like, for sure, I am a big believer that like not every company should be a VC company. That is for sure. And a guy, you know, I've yep. known and followed for a long time named Bryce Roberts, you know, started trying to do, you know, indie VC and like alternative stuff. And I think we'll see a ton of new models about how to fund these things. But yeah, if you're going VC, like for sure, they want to know that they're like, they can put a hundred million dollars in, right? Because that's how they get their return on these big funds. And so there is a bit, someone, I heard this the other day and someone, I'll use it wrong, but they're like, yeah, it's like, they're like, like it's being force fed, you know, <laughs> in uh, uh, capital and it's going to be dangerous. And so for sure, there's going to be a bunch of blow ups and failure. I do hope though that like- I just see a bunch of turkeys blowing up now. <laughs> you know? Sorry and, for the uh, but, but animal yeah, it's lovers. Personal. I think that ends up coming down to the entrepreneur. Like just because you have too much, a lot of money in the bank doesn't mean you have to spend it. I guess there's a ton of pressure and maybe that's like Pollyannish and idealistic. Um, but but they kind of guarantee like and I I just wonder and it maybe maybe now is the time Chris but like I just think I think about like you know keep referencing like like these companies take a while like hey, look at the propeller story right it took a while to incubate it took yeah. a while you know like I you know I remember hearing I don't know if it was you on stage or someone talking about well it you know we spent so long trying to get the device right and then we found out afterwards that it turned out the device was the easiest part of it you know and I, I remember I think I heard that from one of your either you yeah. or one of your members and but it just takes a while right like it's yeah. just like getting the device getting the consumer getting the distribution getting the machine yep. going. and it's you're taking so much it's a mm-hmm. decade journey to build any business yeah. really and this was definitely so this was the problem uh, the first round you know 2011 12 there was a ton of seeds seeds at that time uh, from healthcare and tech and consumer VCs, you know, there's a mix. And that was a real problem because you, you're giving these companies, you know, a million and a half bucks back then, clearly not enough to get to, you know, a trial. And, and we mess, I messed up all sorts of stuff at hundred plus. So this is, you know, on me, not the investor, but I remember this meeting with an investor for the A and, you, you know, it was like, well, what studies do you have? Like what data do you have to prove? And I'm like, I had a million dollars. Like I, maybe that's unrealistic. I don't think that's like a reasonable question though on, right. on this, you know, granted I like messed up a bunch of stuff, but still like, I, I don't know. And so I think there's, um, I think, you know, you have to raise like a certain amount of money to, to I think it, you know, you spend a lot of time on like, what are your milestones? Where do you need to get to? And then how much money does that cost? And yep. I think there's enough capital out there that if you have that like good story, that's like, no, I need to go two years in and build it, deploy it, study it. And that's going to cost X million. I think they're just yeah, much yeah. more willing check writers if they right. know where the money's going to go. Right. So are we, are we getting to the Jim Joyce question? I'm, I'm just looking yeah. at the time. I think so. Yeah. I think. And there was I, a good I, lead I, in. This is a good, like kind of meta question. Cause it sounds like you're itching to do something or get back into the fight, Chris. Um, yeah. So, so the, the, so if you, if, if you were talking to a, uh, a person who just left an exit from a digital health company, and took some time off as a consultant and a Twitter expert, and you're going to give them advice as to how to start up a digital healthcare company. What would be the advice you'd give them? Yeah, man, that's a good question. I've thought about this a little bit, huh? Uh, so I'm I'm definitely all about virtual care models, and uh, and so I would think about specific patient populations. 
Uh, I'm really interested in things that are targeting specific pa patient populations that might have been under addressed or through primary care, like not addressed enough uh, and focus on it. Look at the, the ecosystem, like what do you really need to build and then focus on the go-to-market. There are more motions out there than people think. You know, there's clearly B2B to C, um, you know, employer or payer. And I would think a lot, there's gonna be lines out the door for these people. So like what's different and how are you gonna move up? There's obviously a cash pay growing market now for very specific, you know, indications and uses. And then now with COVID and post COVID and the ability for, you know, I think telemedicine reimbursement will stay. Um, yeah, not too bad, only two or three mentions. Um, but you know, it's, it's about, you know, there's like all this interesting stuff about being an in-network provider that people are exploring and, you know, ability to build there. So I, I would I would think about that, you know, what group are you really interested in and, and what's missing? And then and then what's the go-to-market motion and, and let that kind of work backwards towards towards what you what you do. And then the, and then use the ecosystem to get something out quick and start, you know, iterating and learning. You know, don't think it out too much and try to go into a hole and, and figure it all out. That was a, probably the biggest learning from Propeller. And one of the things I'm like most proud of is that we, we had this philosophy that like, what if we don't know? What if we don't know what patients really want and what doctors need? And so we ended up kind of building the chassis and building the thing to learn quickly. You know, like even our app was designed so that we could like change content and bring new things in and iterate. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, you know, and, and philosophically as a company, that was, you know, what David and Greg, the co-founders really brought like, no, we think that we don't know that. And even if we knew it in the past, do we know it now? And they just kept that sort of like, we have to keep learning. We have to keep learning. David had this great expression, you know, that I use now, you know, we just have to trust our future selves to be smarter than our current selves, you know, basically yeah. like we'll figure that out in the future. And, <laughs> uh, and so that's, those are the things that I would, I would focus on. I love it. And yeah. I would just say, do it. I would just say, do it, man. This is like, this is a great time. This is an yeah. unbelievable. We're just super lucky to be sort of, in our careers and have some experience at this moment in time, I think is just, just luck, luck of the draw. And so, so capitalize we on call it. it the new euphoria of digital health. Yeah, something, it's definitely something, you know, I think about the, I forget uh, which Gladwell book, but you know, there's, you know, he talks about like Steve Jobs and, uh, and they, they were born, you know, seven months apart and just happened to hit, you know, uh, when computers were like up. And I think there's this, this broad group now of like digital health entrepreneurs that, have some experience yep. and now's the time. And I think we'll look back and be like, yeah, it was just like lucky time career match. Love it. Trust your future self. <laughs> thank yep. you. Yeah, it's a great experience. Thanks, man. Hey, Love it. thank you guys. Oh, yeah, over, really over and out. Cheers. Bye-bye.